there, there's good people who mine, right, and and play mm-hmm. video games. They're, they're my kind of people, right? And they exist. They're out there. But for the most part, the people who are really big into the bit mining are the kind of nerds I don't like, right? There's this group of nerds who everything they do has – and they're, they're nerdy people, right? Like they could hang with you on uh, the same kind of stuff that you like in most scenarios. But everything they do has to be about – profit right it has to be about making money or getting ahead of everybody else those are the kind of nerds i don't like right Right. like typically don't assimilate with those kind of people and and it's not always true right it's nothing's a blanket statement that's always true right but for the most part for a big portion of it uh those just aren't my people and i think that, that a lot of my people suffer because of the absurdity of buying out all these graphics cards so they can, you know, m- mine for bitcoins and all. This. Oh wow! Just, you just that—that's a trigger point for me, and I'm going to not do it on the show because I just ranted for crypto for a minute. <laughs> but I will say this: I watched a guy who uh, watched a video recently where he he bought like 20 bitcoins way back in the day, right when they were worth nothing. Yeah. And flash forward 10 years or whatever, and they're worth all this money. What did he do with that money? He could have invested in a million different things, but instead he went out and he bought thousands of graphics cards and built a fucking farm in the middle of the countryside to build a Bitcoin farming. Um, And that's the stuff that I just, I I, I see that. And that's the trigger thing for me too. Cause it's like, you know, you just bought, you know, whatever it is, 10,000 graphics cards or something. And you built all these warehouse type buildings on a farm in the middle of nowhere so that you could farm more Bitcoin. Oh, Nathan. Welcome to the party. We are looking for more of your podcast for all things gaming with a focus on MMOs, RPGs, game development, and gaming culture. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Sam Morgan. I'm joined today by my returning party members. Let's welcome back, Renfell. Hello. Also, welcome back, the Nathan Napalm. Old school. Glad to be here. Old school, I see. <laughs> nice yeah, shirt, dude. Thank you. Oh, man. So... Let's see. We got some things to talk about today. Um, we'll catch up in just a bit here. But before we get started, I always got to give a shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters uh, here on Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping the party bags packed and stocked for all the adventures here on the show. Um, also, if you haven't already, we've got a pinned tweet on our Twitter over at the LFM show on Twitter. You can go there, check out the pinned post. Uh, go check out the podcast and all the podcast places. And specifically, if you go to iTunes and give us a review, it would be greatly appreciated. Five stars is always kind. And if you leave a comment, we'll read it here on the show. You can also call in to 1-539-664-6801, leave a message. And if it's appropriate, we will play it here on the show live. Um, yeah, aside from all of that, uh, gentlemen, the hell you been up to the past week? Uh, I've just been working on um getting tabletop module stuff written now that we're done with the playtest sessions getting all that written doing new more maps uh just finished the sixth chapter yesterday chris is getting artwork done on that um and i finished so i i got a kindle paperwhite a couple weeks back um end of end of the month last Mm -hmm. month and i had never read 
any of Brandon Sanderson's work outside of the stuff he did for Wheel of Time, finish mm-hmm. that up. And the first book trilogy I put on that thing was the Mistborn trilogy. And I just put out the um, – I just finished it two nights ago, the first Mistborn novel, and was, nice. like, blown away. So I did a review of that, and then I'm I'm nice. in the second book already. So, yeah, it's been a – so it's been a blur the last the last time we met um, of that and just playing lots of uh, Pathfinder of the Wrath of the Righteous, which mm-hmm. I'm I'm learning now is definitely a, more than a hundred hours long, and so I've kind of I've backed off the hectic pace I was pushing because I was wondering if maybe it was 50, mm-hmm. 60 hours, and I've I've read some spoiler free reviews of of people who have said, oh no, it's like a hundred, hundred and twenty hours, and I'm like, oh well, then I'm gonna take it back a notch and, and start like enjoying it a little bit more instead of just trying to push my way through. But I still feel like that game is so good. I don't really care for the battle management stuff, like with your armies and that gets a little grindy mm-hmm. and stupid, but the rest of it as a CRPG, holy shit. I think it's as good as any of like the best, like Baldur's Gate two pillars of eternity Two. it's up there, man. Like I'm wow. really having fun in that game. Badass. But you, Nathan? Yeah, I played a little bit of Wrath of the Righteous too. I didn't get to do too much gaming since we, uh, mm-hmm. since we, since we had our last show. Um, but I did, I did play some of it, um, and it is fantastic, man. Uh, super. You know, CRPGs were supposed to be tabletop in the best way we can possibly with technology today, trying to bring it to PC. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, man, this is pretty freaking close, dude. I watched your video. Um, so I did my review a few days ago, which was like a week after yours. And the one thing I didn't cover in mine that you covered in yours, Nathan, was um, the fact that they have, they didn't do it in the first game. And you mentioned this in your video. They, they cover all the rules. Like they're actually yeah. having these tutorial pop-ups where they're explaining how all the roles work, how this works, how that works. There's also this thing, which I didn't cover in my video of like, if you equip like on your high dex character, if you put like scale mail on them because you're going to get more armor class out of it, you might get an extra point or two of armor class, but you'll get a pop-up that tells you, hey, this is a high dex character. That dex bonus is pretty important for things like dodging, sidestepping, some of their you know rolls and things of that nature. You know, you really shouldn't be putting heavy armor on a on a high dex character. And I was like, I think it's really cool. Like you said, I think they've done an exceptional job of taking the tabletop setting and explaining it and also executing it fairly well i think yeah um, those those this is spoiler free but those story scenes throughout the game where it it injects in decisions that also are like roles Mm -hmm. um man that's cool that's freaking cool so i i did mention this in my video so as a as a i think this is what you're referring to correct me if i'm wrong so my character i made him an atheist in the beginning so i was like i didn't want to follow our god or goddess and there's a scene that happens fairly early on in the first act where there's like a succubus or somebody who tries to manipulate my mind and because my character's an atheist it literally does this flavor text where it's like the succubus tries to manipulate you but because you don't believe in the gods or their powers it doesn't affect you and then she comes back with this dialogue like, wait, what? How did that happen? Who are you? And it's like it has nothing to do with my special powers. It's just, oh, I don't believe in your shit. Like, yeah, really cool. It's cool. really cool. They've done a good job. And like and like Renfell said, I mean, it's almost like you could play that game. And by the time you're done, you could probably just start playing a Pathfinder uh tabletop. And know everything. And understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other thing that blew me away too, I don't know if you if you talked about this, um, I 
have never in all my years of gaming spent so much time in the frickin' character creator because there's more than 24 character classes to choose from. I literally was sitting there going, how the hell am I going to choose? Like the, I'm like, bard. And then there's a drop down with like <laughs> bard right. subclasses. I'm like, archaeologist, fuck yeah. Like just all of these options. It's like, and it's all so cool. I was like looking at it going, I am immediately <laughs> going to turn around and do another play. This is going to be like Baldur's Gate 2 for me, where I'm wow. just going to play this game for the next six months and like play it through like six times Jeez. and yeah. no, not have a life outside of this game. Yeah, it's that good. And then I, just a little, just a little that the little nerdy things that they added, right? Like when you after you're done creating your character, it gives you an actual character sheet, which I looked up, and it is the character sheet yeah. from Pathfinder. And it's like there's your character sheet, and it's like, oh my god, it's so nerdy and so cool. Wow. Like I can't stand it. You know, it's so awesome, man. It's very well done. Owlcat Games, wow, they're they're on, they're on a roll here. Hopefully, they keep that coming because that's awesome. Jeez, man, that's crazy. They incorporated that much detail and like intricacy into the game. So I'm I'm gonna yeah. assume you I'm assuming Renfo, you probably haven't been playing a whole lot of like Final Fantasy, huh? Uh not for three days. Yeah. Um I, I am I, I am let's see. I tracked down Ice I'm in Heaven's Word now. I've played five mm. sessions in Heaven's Word, so I'm probably 10, 12 hours into Heaven's Word. I was starting to bitch a little bit. Because I was like, the first few hours of Heaven's Ward is like, I'm still running around. When's mm -hmm. the story going to get good? Everybody told me the story is going to get good. It hasn't gotten good yet. But then I started, go I, I made it to the Dravanian territory, I think is what mm. it's called. And so now we're actually interacting with dragons. Yeah. And and now it's started to get like, all right, now yeah. I'm a little bit more invested because it's like, yeah. oh, hold on. There's this huge backstory mm -hmm. between the Ishtarians and the Dravanians. And what happened a thousand years ago or whatever uh, oh. between Shiva and the one dragon. And, and so now we're like tracking down and, and trying to talk to the, like we're trying to get an audience with one of the dragons right now to, to try to avoid this war. And yeah. so I, f I feel like I'm like going, maybe I've gotten past the initial boring stuff because I was getting a little grumpy because yeah. I was like, they're making me run around and do all this boring shit again. And then all of a sudden, cause when I got into that zone, I don't know what it's called, but it's the it's the first zone where you get into with the dragons, um, and and it's there's a mountain with like a glowing blue crystal hanging above yeah. like a volcano peak. It's a breathtakingly beautiful mm -hmm. zone. Uh, one question I have for both of you because how how important is it to run around and get all the aether streams? Because that um, seems like a massive chore. You're flying to in. do that. Yeah, it's for flying. So I would say yeah. it's important. They moved those, though, Did to they? where if you're paying attention as you're doing story, yeah, yeah they moved it to where yeah. you'll, you'll see busy. them. Yep. Yeah, they used to be really hidden. You had to kind of, it was yep. like a mini game. And then people were like, dude, I don't feel like doing that. So they moved them to story yeah. moments. You I was going to ask. It's like there on the, on the way. The yeah. first zone, I kind of didn't pay attention to them. So when I went off and did the quest and was like, screw this. It seems like an Easter, a big egg hunt. Then I got to the second zone and I caught that. I caught the fact that, oh, wait a second. They're like close to each one of the mm -hmm. quest POIs. Maybe I should go back to the other zone and pick them up. Because some of them you can run around and get, but then the rest seem to be tied to the main quest. Um, mm. or side quests. Yeah. So that's why I was yeah, like, there are some side quest ones too, and they'll have a special icon so that you know that that quest is needed for the ether. Ether, I don't remember how well, that worked, but my I big question is like, I know flying is a time saver. Yeah, but like at the same time, if I got to go out of my way three hours to get all the things for a zone, it's like, is it really worth it? 
That's debatable. Yeah, yeah. that's totally debatable. Uh, a lot of people are just like, look, I know I'm going to have to do the patch stuff in between the next expansion. So oh. I want to get those so I can just do those, knock them out real quick and get to the next expansion. So there's, they're gonna, so what you're saying is that there's going to be patch content between this one and the next expansion that's going to bring me back to these zones? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to need to go get them for that. So that, if, that right there, you just answered mm -hmm. my question because, yes, I'm going to want it for the convenience if, if I'm coming back do. to this place later. The, okay. the cool thing is, though, is that uh, what a lot of people do in that game um, is they'll, like in their guild, they'll find somebody like, hey, man, could you help me? I'm trying to get all the, the Aether points or whatever. And they'll get you on a two- a mount uh flying mount and they'll just fly you to all of them and oh. so like in 20 minutes you then you just gotta do the quest ones right um so that's pretty common that people do that they did that for my wife like she always had somebody in the guild because she's a female playing a video game right so she always <laughs> had somebody would come and take her to all the aether points and so she could unlock her flying i always had no way to help me i just had to go freaking no nope. yeah he's gonna <laughs> so i mean yeah i i've been playing it but the, i haven't played it for two or i think it's been three days i haven't played because i played i actually haven't even played a game i haven't played any games for two days because the last two days was i just was like i gotta finish mistborn so i did like a three and a half hour marathon reading session the other night and then yesterday i had to get a chapter written and then my brother and i had a big four hour meeting last night so that that took a big chunk of my time but i think we've got pretty much all of next year already planned out for work stuff so i haven't been able to play in the last couple of days but i am planning tomorrow to jump back into final fantasy and and continue onward into heaven's work because i need more dragons man mm -hmm. yeah it uh Heck yeah it starts to i don't know i think that like the the questing is still feels like that but i think the difference is, is that the further you get into that expansion like the the more you the further you get into it and the more you get caught up in everything you're talking about right now like as the story progresses like you've got to go bounce around but like you for me, at least, I was like, really, I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to hurry up and get there because I want to find out what happens next. Like, that was totally how I felt when I played. And, you know, the uh, there are some there are some zones in that that particular expansion that flying around and looks like it's like, geez, you just really get to take in the full you yeah. know, grand uh, sort of like landscape from a very yeah, the world building. I, f I feel the world building is way better mm -hmm. than it was in a realm reborn. Yep. Like the zones are way more cinematic. Um, there's even stuff. I think it was in the first zone you come to was like, there's just stuff floating off in the distance that you can't even get to, but it's just, it's there floating for visual effects. And it was like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and I like the fact that when you enter a new zone for the first time, there's a narrator, who is the the head of the house? Um, yeah, I forget his name, cool. Edward or something. Um, so there's there's some little things that have made it more like an RPG to me because there's more voiceovers, there's a little bit more narration. Um, so I mean, overall, it's it's I, I feel like it's definitely been better. I just like as soon as I got into Heaven's Ward and I jumped my chocobo up and I couldn't fly, I was like, no, damn it, this no, no, I know what you're gonna make me do now. You're gonna make me get flying again, and sure enough. There was a quest that came along. I got my black chocobo, and it's like, and now if you want flying, you've got to go do this. And it's like, grumble, grumble. I <laughs> will warn you, and anybody else listening that might be at this part in their journey of Final Fantasy XIV, that there is a point in that storyline where it gets really freaking cool, and then some sidetrack stuff happens, and you you really don't care about the sidetrack right. stuff. You have to get through it, <laughs> get back to the cool dragon stuff. And I remember yeah, getting I remember that, that part and being like, I don't You're care like, about this. this. I was like, yeah. what is this? Why am I doing this right now? I feel like we just 
took a tan. I feel like whoever was doing the questing has like some hardcore ADHD or ADHD yeah. and like just like wrote it in and wasn't really going with the plan of how they planned yeah. out the quest. And then somehow yeah. it slipped in there, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, dude. and it's like, it's like, it's important the story, sure, but like, I feel like you could have told me this in a cinema scene, we could just got back to the cool stuff again. But yeah, there is a point in that, and I think it loses some people. They get to that and they're like, you know what? This is lame. I don't want to do this. I but have complained about it a few lame. times uh, leading up to this point. I get really, I think I've spoiled it on one of the shows a few weeks ago where I talked about the thing that happens with the scions oh, and then yeah. i'm like i thought we were supposed to be worried about this and then you're sending me off doing all this yeah, stuff yeah and then after i do that i'm off doing this stuff and in the back of my mind what? i'm thinking but what about that like yeah that's like yeah. super important you know like <laughs> dude yeah they're... the weeks go by so fast here it seems like yeah for me too you know like uh that well i mean i guess i have one announcement that's like it's very self-serving but i actually formed a twitch team and I haven't done anything with the page yet, but the 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 little the little nugget of info there is the name of the team actually ties into my book that's coming to be in the future, like in the whole universe. And I've been doing world building a lot this past week, so that's man, dude. I got like so nerdy about it. I'm 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 gritting some things out right now, and I showed it to my I showed it to my community like my old school sketch and everything, and I gritted it out. And then I went and I got my art paper, tore it out the book, and then I went and I like tied it off. And I'm like, this is gonna be like the very first map, the actual very first world map. And then I do one for like a zone. It's gonna be for the, you know, well not I say zone. I call it zone because it's to be cut out of the world that the zone that's being, you know, you play out of um for the first book that I wanna do. Um, but I've been like going through and doing like a lot of the world building and tying a lot of pieces in. Um, in between like, you know, like the, the cosmos and like the deities and like, so the creation of like the races and that, like that, that stuff. And then like some of the creatures, which, you know, there's some influences I was like talking about this week that I've been doing a little bit of that. Um, then I, uh, I've been doing some gaming too. Um, I've got like a trial tomorrow, which is an elder scrolls online trials or raids. Right. And so I'm actually, I do trials every Friday with some homies and, um, I've been consistently like showcasing that on Twitch uh, every Friday. And so there's also like, well, anyway, I'm tanking tomorrow, which is the first time I'll, I'll tank a trial in ESO in like years. So I'm going to be oh, doing cool. Yeah. So I'm like, after today, I'm going to go knock the rust off, go knock out my, grab my dragon knight, resituate his gear and his like attributes and skills and stuff like that and do all that stuff. And then, um i've been playing fortnite like a little bit too like my my fiance her you know her kids she they play that a bunch and stuff and you know we we play it occasionally you know i mean i probably have only jumped on fortnite in the past year i would say three times maybe four at the very most but this current season because they do chapters so there's like chapter one and then you've got seasons in that chapter and then what they did with the second chapter is they basically just like completely wrecked that island right completely just redid it and then changed the way everything works and i mean you got to give it to you got to give it to epic games with fortnite they're 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 rocking it man they took that br they did something different with the the building and all that dude i felt so good though i think i played like day before yesterday yesterday i jumped on for a short time i jumped in there just a, it was like i literally got two videos done worked on website stuff worked on book stuff did my work for the day, right? All of that stuff got to the very end. I was like, 
had a moment to like chill out, jumped in there. Dude, the first, this was the first solo match that I had played in the BR and I jumped in there. Homies, I got a battle royale and I was like, oh shit, I forgot I was actually decent at this, but I was. Oh wow, uh, nice. I know, right? I was like, okay, I still got it. Like I still got it. So I was playing that. I don't know. I just, the theme and everything that they're doing, um, and they always go and they pull in like they've been doing like Marvel stuff, freaking Carnage, dude. Here's why I'm nerding out about this season. Yeah, I like Spider-Man stuff. You remember Venom and the Maximum? That Carnage? movie's gonna be badass, dude. Yes, and Carnage is a bloodthirsty psychopath in the Spider-Man comics, and I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And so that I'm Carnage playing because back in the '90s, man, dude. Yes, yeah. Maximum Carnage, dude. They had the Super Nintendo yes. game, the comics. I yeah. had oh man, yeah, freaking loved it as a kid. I, I nerded out on that so hard, and I saw Carnage in the season. I was like, oh shit, I'm playing, I'm playing. Yeah, I I'm didn't playing. know that. Yeah, that's, cool. that's kind of cool. Carnage is like one of the greatest, not the greatest, he's probably, good. but he's one of the greatest villains. Uh, Maximum Carnage, like I gotta say, I was such a fan of that game. Yes, that I got into the band that made the music, Green Jelly. Um, the original <laughs> called Green Jello, and they're like, uh, what's that one band that does the costumes and stuff? Um, they're they still tour, Gwar. anyway. Yeah, Gore. They're like a oh gosh. more comedic version of Gore. Um, but yeah, I got into that band because of that game. Dang. Yeah, I actually know a Gore, but uh, that one I haven't heard of. But dude, so there's a there's a song by Green Jelly that has stuck with me over the years called "Little Pig, Little Pig." Oh yes. Oh um, my god, I remember that. The Three Little Pigs. <laughs> sorry, the Three Little Pigs. So. Yeah. With, uh, and it's got Maynard on it from Tool, Tool like before yeah. he was singing for Tool. Nice. And I pull that, I swear, I swear, I pull that song up like every three, four months and I'll listen to it on loop for like 30 minutes. Like it's just such a really grungy yeah. old school little pig, little pig, let me in. I remember that. <laughs> it's like a story, too. That's what I like. They would like yeah. tell a little story with their songs and like, uh, that music video for that was fantastic. It's I got fantastic. I got kicked out of school for playing. I had a VHS tape. That's how long ago it was of Green Jello because they were originally called Green Jello and they got sued. Mm-hmm. And I put it in. It had that video and a couple of others that were obviously way too crazy for TV. Not and good I for kids. It. Yeah, I'm the little. You know, they bring in the little cart with the VCR, and I popped it in when the teacher wasn't there, and I got kicked out of school Dude. for it. You know. The thing about like Fortnite, man, is we've actually got a topic related to this in the future. So it's actually a perfect, it's a perfect thing to talk about early on in the show because of the fact that I've been playing and everything. Because it, it we're gonna come full circle back to this one a little bit uh, here after a little while. And you know, the thing about that, you know, I've been playing Elder Scrolls Online too. I've been playing that one. I've been playing Fortnite a little bit. I always, I always play Gwent when I when I can. I haven't had as much time lately, but I freaking love that game still. Um, but that's like all I'm really playing right now is literally like I jump in ESO and do my stuff there. Probably. I mean, I'm probably doing that a lot more than anything else. Cause I'm also like working on a website for it. And I've got a group of people there that play it regularly. And it's, it's kind of encouraging for me because I've got a buddy who plays and he's always like really excited whenever, whenever like I'm talking about a new build I'm working on, or I'm talking about like, you know, the site stuff or, or some, something I'm working on or whatever. And then I'll have like somebody in, in chat that's like hanging out. That's a homie. And they ask me questions like actually Hid's here. He's play he's been playing it a little bit. He's in chat right now. And like, you know, he asked me a question. I just find myself like ranting, like, but it's like, I'm nerding out as I'm talking and I'm realizing this is a good thing, dude. Like this is, 
a game that exists that I can still be this way with, you know, and I talked like a, a earlier this year about like, I've got to like, you know, there's a lot of things about, about the Elder Scrolls that drive me nuts. Um, you know, like the, the specifically like the monetization and the cash op and, and the, and the RNG crates and stuff that that's like my biggest complaint. Right. But there's still tons with it that are, that's a great about the game. Right. And I can have constructive criticisms about that things I would want to do, but I find myself like, people, you know, getting excited around me or really interested about stuff. And I, I, you know, I can share knowledge that I have because I've played it for so long. And so, you know, it's that for me has been, that's kind of how I thrive, right? I thrive on like really good conversation. I mean, I have two podcasts, right? That's why look, I, I thrive on good conversation, nerding out about things, having a good time, telling stories, like helping people understand game mechanics or like theory crafting or teaching them things or, or whatever. And I've been able to do that a lot. And then, you know, when you see people that are, you know, that you can, you can like help in that, you know, in that, in that way, or people that are excited about stuff you're doing around a game, of course, like I thrive off of that. Right. And I've been getting everything that for me as a creator and as a player of a game that like, that is like, you know, reciprocal when I look at what I'm investing, right? Take, take the company out of the equation, right? Let's just look at specifically, I'm investing my time doing this. Am I getting back from my time invested in a way that I find meaningful as a human being, right? And, yeah, and it doesn't always have to be compensation financially. Exactly. Um, that's true. Exactly. Um, I guess this is kind of a conversation point. I didn't even plan for the show today, but I feel like it is kind of an important one, right? Because like, love it or hate a company, uh, love a game or hate a game, whatever the case might be, plenty of people play games that they're devoted to that, that they're pissed off with. Like it happens oh, yeah. all the time. Right. Um, every, every, every person who still yeah. plays EverQuest. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. You <laughs> oh, also just said something yeah. I do want to, I want to use this as a landing or as a jumping off point point, I should sure. say. Um, I, I always hear a lot of people who are like, I won't play EA games because EA sucks as a company. And I'm like, I don't give a shit if they suck as a company. They still produce good games mm -hmm. and I like to play games. So I'm going to play the games, even if I don't like all of the business practices of that company. Yeah. Um, and it's all, it's great to protest and to stand up for things that you believe in. Um, I mean, that's definitely a good thing to do, but I've never let politics business or religion get in the way of my enjoyment of mm -hmm. something so it's like I, a good example of this is i my wife is religious i'm not um and yet we have a very healthy loving relationship regardless of the fact that we have a wildly different opinion on those things right. we occasionally have some heated discussions um probably could can, could call those debates um even but that's just part of our unique relationship and that's part of who we are but that doesn't stop us from loving each other and i think that that's something that i wish i wish more mm. people would take that kind of stuff to heart because when you look at a company like ea who has a lot of studios underneath them and those studios do not necessarily have mm. the same political or business or religious point of view as their as their publisher does but they get lumped into that uh we hate ea because of that, I don't think that's fair to all these developers who are making amazing games, which yeah. is why I've always been out there. I just play games to have fun. I don't care who yeah. produces them, mm. who publishes them. I don't care. I'm going to go play them. That's just, but that's a, that's my own take on things. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, it, and, and like Sim said too, like, that's really important, right? Like, what are you getting out of it? Right? Like, 
Are you, does it, you know, and, and for a lot of people, video games are simply something they do uh, to de-stress, right? Um, and I do it sometimes, but, uh, you know, they get home from work or sometimes I'll be honest with you. And I've been at this point in my life uh, where you just aren't happy with your life, dude. Yeah, and you just come up, you just want to play a game to escape because yep. you're not happy with where you're at in your mm. life, right? And there's and, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. Actually, it's super healthy because where else are you going to get an escape where you can just lose yourself for a while? And like that's why a lot of people, MMOs, for example, man, they're really good for that. Cause like if you're going through financial trouble or whatever, you can get on MMO and you can like you you can be wealthy in that game. I know it's not the same, but it does in some way it does enrich your life. You know what I mean? Like there's something there that just you can kind of you can you can escape and you can go there to this other place where you where you are a little happier and and, and you can approach life better afterwards. Recharge you know? those batteries and yes. come out of that. In most cases, um, I mean, I mean, we've all heard the horror stories, obviously, of the people who take that a little too far. Extreme, um, though, yeah. But that's 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 that outlier. You know, it's yeah. the it's that half a percent of a percent of people who 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 are going to do it anyway. It doesn't have, it doesn't need to be a video game. They, they, they would do it with alcohol. They would do it with right. drugs. They would do it with anything that allows them to completely detach where, as opposed to just using it as a recharge tool. Cause I do a good example. I'm going to, I'm going to say this on the air. Um, my parents um, did not really appreciate video games growing up. And like my mom, I'll never forget this. My brother didn't, my, my younger brother who I'm working with, I never believed this. I'm calling my parents out right now. Mm -hmm. um, my grandma bought us a Nintendo and I think it would have been 87, 88, 89, somewhere in there. Right. And my grandma used to record everything on VHS tapes, every holiday and everything. And I had always told my brother that when she did this, my dad freaked out and was like, I told you not to buy that damn thing for my kids and um my brother found the vhs tape like a couple years ago he's like i thought you were making this up and he's like no mm -hmm. but um my mom actually took the controllers and put them in the gun safe and so yeah. we only had saturday mornings after chores and and everything else we had a very limited amount of time you you touched on this uh, an episode or two back either when you're saying the whole thing about you only give you one hour to play and it's like well i'm not even going to bother playing rpgs because you can't get anything done in an hour and as i got a little bit older i was allowed to play a little bit more on especially when my dad got a pc for work mm -hmm. and so that's when i got into like king's quest mm -hmm. and because those they viewed those games as educational as well as family friendly i was allowed to play those games after i got all my schoolwork done and everything else and that's what got me into into gaming but there was always that you know they didn't really approve of video games and when i got out into my on my own and i was an adult living on my own and i was putting all this time in mmorpgs and everquest and everything else there they never were able to understand that you know i worked construction for my old man because i this was pre-internet, so I had nothing else to do. I had a GED. I didn't have a college education. That's what I had to do to pay the bills, and I hated every minute of it. But it provided me – it was a good paying job. You know, yeah. I was 20 years old in the, you know, late 90s, early in 20, early 2000s, making, you know, 30 bucks an hour. I was making a good wage for a 20-year-old kid, and so I was willing to put up with a lot. But that escape for me – Every night when I would come home, I'd get two, three hours, and the weekends in particular, the only thing I had to do on the weekends was do laundry and grocery shop. And outside of that, I was logged in EverQuest because that allowed me to just push off that job that I hated, and it let me meet people 
and that got me in, you know, I was heavily writing short stories and stuff for my characters and role playing and having so much fun. And I always took that as an escape. And now I'm a 41 year old adult who has been working in game development, you know, a little bit anyways, for the past seven, eight years now. And I've been able to take that passion and turn that into something that provides a living for me and also continues to provide that healthy escape from reality, which all of us need at some point. I mean, how many people go to therapy? You know, they go, they go see a therapist because they need a way to unplug, recharge, get everything off their chest. That's what games are for a lot of people is yeah. that escape yeah. of saying, I don't like this part of my life, but over here I can be the hero. You yeah. know, I like the analogy you just used about the financial thing. That's a, that's a really cool one. I hadn't thought about from that angle before of, you know, it's a, it's an inexpensive way to enter, keep yourself entertained and you can achieve things in game that help your mental state of beings that when you come out of the game, you now you're recharged and ready to go. Okay. You know what? I'm ready to go back at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it gives people confidence too, for things like that. But also, man, I, I got to mention in this, while we're having this conversation, there was a, there was a documentary and I'm pretty sure it was called Evercracked, And it was about people addicted to EverQuest in all kinds of different capacities and there was this guy on there, dude, I, I literally cried when I watched this the first time. And it was this guy who couldn't walk, mm-hmm. had this ability, and he was talking about it. He was like, man, but when I log into EverQuest, I get treated just like everybody else. I can do everything everybody else can do. And he was like, this is like my favorite thing to do is because I can log on this game and I'm on equal grounds with everybody else, dude. And it was, it was so epic because I never even thought of something like that before. That's yeah. one of the main characters mm-hmm. in Tad Williams' Otherland books. Um, one of the main characters has that aging disease, which I can't remember the name of right now, where you 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 age really quick. And so in the books, he's like a 14-year-old kid, completely bedridden. But in the virtual world, he's Thorgar, the most badass barbarian in this fantasy MMORPG. And he has his group of friends, and they go off and do raids and dungeons and everything. But in real life, he literally is... He can't get out of bed. He's a bedridden 14-year-old who's going to be dead in like three years because he's got a terminal illness. And so he's able to use that MMORPG as an – it's such a cool book uh, series. And when you said that about somebody in the real world who's (laughs) like that, you know, that is a – it's a very – it's – Games can provide people a way to actually Dude, live lives. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here because I I saw Doctor Sim show tonight in chat. <laughs> look look I I have a background in, I have a I have a I I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. I, I've worked in the field for 15 years, right? Like, and that I'm gonna say something right now that gamers are gonna like to hear, and they're gonna definitely. I mean, we have gamers that mostly listen to this or watch the show anyway, so I'm really not too worried about the other audience, the potential audience. But here, this is a fact, okay? Is video game addiction a real thing? Yes, but it's the same as gambling addiction, sex addiction, any other thing out there, right? The the stigma that people that play video games are addicted to them or whatever, or that they, whatever, like it's, are people addicted to video games? Absolutely. Similar to how they are anything else in the world because you're talking about your brain and how you can become addicted to pretty much anything. Hell, you can become addicted to your own brain chemicals. Come on. Right? And if people That's look down that, right. then if you doubt that for a second, yeah, yeah. contemplate this. Notice all the people that crack their necks and pop their stuff and things, right? 
think about that for a second. That's what that is. That's that process that humans can engage in and they, they can tie that in anything, right? So people that play video games and are addicted to them, does it exist? Yes. Does that mean that that's because video games are bad? No, no, it it's video games are neutral in that capacity in regard to like being a cause. No, that's people and choices, right? So like that whole, that it's whole gospel, brother. That that's that that whole thing that like video games are bad for you and they cause people to do this. I'm sorry, it's bullshit, right? Can yeah. it be a factor in why people do it? Absolutely. Is it the reason and cause? No, human choices are. Human choices and a whole bunch of other stuff and things, right? That and that's where the Dr. Sim show would need to be in a whole other place because that's a conversation for another time let's do that but, show we'll come we'll come sit on your your couch right, over there right next you know be your guest and and we'll, we'll get people with oh, with addiction no. video game problems yeah heck yeah do you know why we can't do that nathan your third podcast i want to be involved in right it was probably the third one when this came up or something but do you remember sims casting couch that's why we yeah. can't do it you already tainted the couch with some, <laughs> you already tainted it with that negative anyway <laughs> i thought we were going to talk about that on the 50th episode that we're going to tell everybody the, the <laughs> there is some story what do you mean? <laughs> come <was> on <laughs> no dude but but you know seriously though man like video games i i have had points that's what world of warcraft was for me early on i had a you know had a tough situation, and, you know, it it was like 15 a month, you know, even back then, right? The subscription cost to play it. And some people would be like, that's a lot to spend every month. I mean, for me, if I'm playing a bunch of that, I'm not going to the bar. I'm not spending a bunch of money at the bar. I'm not a lot of other things I could have been spending money on. I could have gone to the to the theater and watched something one weekend, or I could have gone out and ate with a friend, or I could have had beers with a friend one night, and I would have spent more than that. And that covered an entire month for me with so many hours. And for me, I had a hard time. I was dealing with a lot of stuff real related to my you know, past military service. And it was like, I had a lot of stuff going on. It was just tough at that point in time. And it was a way for me to break the cycle. My mind was, you know, cycling, the circling, the thoughts it was circling on that I was, you know, thinking about. It. And it gave me an outlet to break that cycle to go do something neutral to everything going on in my brain, to enjoy this world, to get lost in it. And you know what, when enough time passed, yeah, it was therapeutic because for me enough time passed that it broke the cycle long enough that it was like a reset for me. And when I, when I got back to a place where I didn't spend as much time playing and I still played cause I enjoyed it the hell out of it. But when I didn't spend as much time playing, now the time I spent through my day where I, I would have otherwise been cycling, I wasn't. I had a reset. I was able to go about doing other things much more constructively. And, and it gave me something to look forward to as well. So it, it it's helped a lot of people. You know, when Lexer was on the show, he talked about helped him with a lot of things as well. And, you know, I've seen more look at look at how there's a thriving community right here around this show. And it is entirely because of video games for the most part, because what is the entire conversation we have around on the show? Video game stuff. We share in laughs and good times and nostalgic moments about good times of video games. And, you know, last time I checked, I haven't seen a whole lot of toxicity or negativity in this community around any of those conversations. It's been a pretty damn good time. 
So, you know, for what it's worth, it's not the only story that's like that either. There's a lot of them out there. So video games fucking rock. That's yeah. all I gotta say. Amen. And, um, okay. But going back on, on point about talking about some of our, you know, what's the name of today's show? Art of the Steel, man. Scamstar has been doing it for a while, haven't they? Man, this past year we've talked about it. This isn't going to be another rant about nothing but scam stars, right? We're going to, this is all encompassing conversation. But, you know, is nostalgia bait, for example, like kind of like stealing from people? Has that ever happened? Have we ever used nostalgia bait to sort of steal and kind of rip people off? Is is it stealing? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put on my marketing hat for a mm-hmm. moment and say, no, it's just good business. Right. Because anything you can, all right, let me let me try to say this in a way that doesn't sound skeevy as shit. Um, anything you can do to inspire people, that's the good word to use, to inspire people to spend money on something is fair game. Mm. And that's that's marketing 101. Now, the other way to look at that is to say it this way. Anything you can do to manipulate people into spending money is fair game. I choose to use the word inspire because it sounds a little less sketchy nostalgia bait is nothing more than latching on to a certain hyped up thing something that's hot right now and saying hey we can make money at this and if we have and if we happen to be passionate about that all the better like it's something that we're passionate about we enjoy doing that anyway and it's hot right now we might as well take advantage of that and and build on that but it also is um i read a great article God, it had to have been Kotaku or Polygon somewhere mm-hmm. yesterday, I think it was. They were talking about how um, Disney Disney movies and Marvel movies are no longer fun mm. because they have perfected the tentpole blockbuster Avengers-type film, and now they're just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. We didn't need Black Widow. We had already told Black Widow's story. She died. Spoiler alert. Sorry, folks. Those been movies have been now. out for a long time. Yeah. Um, but then they had to go out and create a prequel. Did we need the prequel for her? No. But it was a guaranteed money-making blockbuster film. So, of course, they're going to do it. Did we need, you know, point out any of those. But Disney is like the prime example is because every Marvel movie follows the exact same outline. It's the exact same story, just change the name of the hero or the heroine, the same story all the way through. And now they've started to create franchises out of every single last little thing they can because now they need to capitalize on attention. So not only do we need to try to drive you to see all of our Marvel and Disney movies, we also have to make sure that there's a post-credit, end-credit role scene that's going to push you to go subscribe to Disney Plus because guess what? Your favorite characters have a show over on Disney Plus. Yeah. So now we've got WandaVision and we've got Falcon and Winter Soldier and we've got Loki and we've got uh, Hawkeye and we've got blah, 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 blah. So now we're bouncing you back and forth between the theater and streaming, the theater and streaming. Oh, and by the way, we're also going to put all these characters into video games and comic books and novels mm-hmm. and graphic novels and so on and so forth. Um, that is a prime example, I think, of what you're talking about to a degree because they are latching onto a nostalgia-based thing because none of these characters are new. None yeah. of these characters are new. These are characters that have existed in comics for decades. So they're capitalizing on 
a middle-aged generation of individuals who have disposable income who love these characters and want to see these characters brought to life. And at some level, there's nothing wrong with that because as consumers, we obviously want to consume it. Cough, cough, Skyrim. Um, but <laughs> the other flip side to that is that do we need another fucking Skyrim? I, I shared this with my brother. There was a There's a meme of like a time traveler and he's coming out of a shop and he's like – what year is it? And he turns to the right and there's an ad for Skyrim and he literally just screams, but what fucking year is it? Because it's like <laughs> Skyrim keeps coming out like every five years. Um, you know, That's that scary. part of it, I don't know. But I do think that in small doses, there's nothing wrong with, with doing that kind of stuff. I mean, the perfect example of this is tabletop is thriving right now for the first time since the late 70s, early 80s. We, we, we got past the whole uh, religious nut jobs who were attacking it I during remember. the 80s. I forget yeah. what the term for that was. Um, that was rough, man. Zelda got attacked during that time similarly. Yeah. So we got past <sighs> that. We got past the struggle period of 3, 3.5, and 4. And we got to 5th edition, which came is, is just fell right in line with streamers and the, the yeah. rise of the streaming generation. And so now tabletop is popular again. As a result, we are seeing Kickstarter is – and I'm just as guilty because I am building my own – it's part of what my brother and my wife and I are working on is a tabletop game. Yeah. Not necessarily because it's popular, just because I love tabletop. It just happens to coincide with that. So for me, it's just lucky timing in the sense that I'm able to sort of get in here while it's hot. But that's one of those trends of nostalgia where now um, – I saw – twitter thread the other day people were somebody was bitching on twitter about how um since fifth edition became popular everyone's coming out of the woodwork with their homebrew campaigns and they want to get paid and they want to make money mm. and they want to have a business around their fifth and i was like that's actually there's nothing wrong with that um because we're in a consumer driven age where the, it's we're in a creator driven economy right now yeah and so if someone has something <clears throat> that 150, 200 people are going to find entertaining and they want to pay for a Patreon or a Kickstarter or something, let them. It's not harming anybody. Yeah, what's the problem? Yeah, they're creating entire worlds just yeah. using that rule set. You know what I mean? <clears throat> it's not like they're carbon copying uh, Forgotten Realms. You know, that would be illegal. They wouldn't be able to do that. They're creating entire universes. It's just that the fifth edition is so well-known and so honestly easy to use that it's kind of a go-to uh, right now to use. I mean, it, it works. It's 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 good. I would so argue I have... it's not the best. Yeah, I would argue that. I think Advanced Dungeons and Dragons minus the what was the one thing the uh, Thacko. Yeah, besides Thacko, which no, I, I never played any, but we had this other thing that our DMs made up that we used. But Thacko's not bad. It's just it's it's a little it's hard confusing. To, yeah, it's a little confusing to try to on the fly uh, do those kind of. I but do it actually think... does make sense, by the way. It does, uh, and it I does. think AD&D <laughs> AD to me is like my favorite version of D&D. Now, I'm just now getting into 5th edition. There's a lot of stuff in 5th edition that I, I, I find like the advantage rolls. I don't see the need to roll 220s. It's you either succeed or fail. Like I don't – I'm not a big fan of that particular thing, but that's just – that's a thing that I can throw out in my own homebrew campaign if I want to. I don't have to use it. Right. right. But um, just using – tabletop as a nostalgia factor i don't think there's anything wrong with with companies tapping into that 
as long as it's not done in an exploitative manner. But that is widely open to interpretation. Dude, um, what is exploitative? I, this is this is something I've been thinking of a lot like, lately. You know, like I I think I'm kind of going to like tangent off as like creator for a little bit. And then also like I'm looking at it from I'm looking at I look at this from two two sides of this. Right. That I, I think that like people that want to enjoy content. I think don't always look at it from the perspective as the other side of things. And I think it's important. Like, cause for me, the one resource as a human being, I do not get back is time mm. when it's gone. It's gone. Right. And you only get so much of it and you don't know exactly how much you get. Yeah. Okay. So as a human being, if I'm doing something I'm passionate about, or anybody is doing something they're passionate about, they love doing, and they enjoy it, and they're able to produce something that other people enjoy and love too. And and there's like a subscription fee around that. Like, I don't see the problem with that. If someone loves it, because at the end of the day, you choose if you want to do it. Like, look at Twitch, right? People subscribe, some people don't, right? It's It's a choice. You don't have to. If you do, you get emotes, and there's other things that are there. And sure, as a creator, you can incentivize that. Same thing on YouTube, right? You can join, you can pay, right? Yeah, you can watch ads. Some people hate ads. I get it. I don't like ads either. But I still look at the fact that like someone spent 20 minutes to make a video. How much time did they actually spend on that video? Like, mm -hmm. look at Nathan. You spent how many hours in this D&D campaign? Like 1,600 hours total, dude. Not yeah. including time, money, or any of that, right? Just time, money, all that time. stuff, right? Yeah. Like... And it's a lot Can of I... content. So I look at the people that are doing these D&D campaigns. Like they're producing like chapters essentially like in monthly format. If they're thriving doing it, wait, they found a way to do what they love. And get paid for and it. And to get paid. So hold on a second. So like let's take a step back and look at people's time and their life for a second. Because that's what I look at. So you're telling me a person can do what they love doing with their life and found a way to make a living doing it. How is that a problem? I think. This you know? can come back to jealousy on the part of people too, which is a human psychology thing. Maybe, yeah. Um, I don't know if this is true. I'm, I'm just throwing this out there because um, I think you see a lot of people when you get into that debate of yeah. whether or not people should, people should be able to, you know, it's not fair that he's making money at this. Mm -hmm. He, It's not a real job. And it's like, well, who determines? Yeah. And, and I, I don't want to spin this into mm -hmm. a political discussion, but I do want to yeah. mention this. Only for the sake of saying this, because this, there is um, some criticism of people who make money on OnlyFans as an oh, example, yeah. and a lot of people will look at that and say, well, "That's not a legitimate job." And it's like, well, that who did who determines what is a legitimate job these days? Because people have OnlyFans, they have Facebook, they have yeah. YouTube subscriptions, they have Patreon accounts, that's they have going Twitch everywhere. streams. It's a creator-driven economy yeah. we're living in. Twitter is about However, to have sub buttons too, by the way. It's already being tested right that. now. Yeah, it's being cool. tested right now. So, I mean, we're just – it's its this thing where if you can get paid doing what you love, why is that harmful or wrong or anything like that? And how is that not legitimate just because you're doing something that doesn't require you to clock in somewhere or you know, fit within the cogs of organized society? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't buy into that. Um, I, I think that uh, it's pretty amazing that people can take these little niche things. Um, a good example, I follow a guy on TikTok. He's also got a YouTube channel. It's called The Cave of Crafting. If you haven't checked it out yet, I may have mentioned it on the show before. 
Check yeah, it out. Yeah, I remember. He builds amazing tabletop resources out of foam, but they look real, like taverns mm. and yeah. dice towers and and interior sets and everything else. It is amazing stuff. And the way, and he's a teacher by day. He is a teacher, I believe, at an elementary school. Wow. And at nights That's and nice. weekends, he comes home and he has this side gig as the Cave of Crafting. Mm-hmm. It is amazing stuff. And I actually didn't know that the guy still had a day job. I've been following him for a year. I didn't know he still had a day job until like two weeks ago. And I was like, what? Because I thought he did full-time content creation. Because this guy puts out a boatload of content. And he's got hundreds of thousands of subscribers. So you know he's – obviously he's not making enough to quit his day job. But he is getting compensated for the time that he's putting in. And he gets – he does commissions. He has an Etsy store. All this other stuff, and it's nice. amazing. And and the cool thing is, is like it, if you've watched how he's grown, if it keeps growing at this pace, he will get to the point where he can say to the day job, if he chooses to, if he obviously. wants to, right, right. Because there's probably health insurance and things tied to that mm, for his family that sure, yeah. are worth continuing to work at that job for. But I think it's cool to see people who can take things like that. There's another. Um, I don't know her name off the top of my head, but she does. Um, uh, like bone sets and rune sets and it's she's a she's a pagan um and nice. and and she does all this norse related uh content uh incense sticks incense burners she goes out in the woods on these hikes and like comes home with like a wheelbarrow full of skulls and like power washes them off and then makes things out of them to sell on etsy and stuff and she does commissions all the time i got another guy i follow um who does um he primarily does his Dadpool, I think is what his name is, but he does like atheist stuff. Um, so I like his content for that. But he also does, he has a forge in his garage and he makes Harry Potter wants. Right. And so he's doing he's doing cool creative stuff in his garage. He's a stay-at-home dad. He's he's in his last year of military service. He's getting out in February, and he's been building up his TikTok following to compensate, you know, to help out with the income. And then that's allowed him to start doing commissions for handmade knives and handmade wands for Harry Potter fans. And I look at all of this and I'm like, this is so badass that we live in an age that people can take their passions and their hobbies and tie it into nostalgia in a, I'm, I'm hopefully bringing this back around by the way, um, in a way that is not manipulative or sketchy, like some companies might do. Right. Um, looking at Disney as a prime example of a kind of a sleazy, I, I just, uh, as much as I like, as much Sometimes, as I like a lot yeah. of what Disney pushes out, some of it is just like, really, did we really need another one of those? You know, I kind of said after the Avengers Endgame, I was like, I'm done with Marvel for now. Um, and now I just watch oh. them when I have time, oh not because God. I feel compelled to. I'm sorry, but the Mandalorian, I got the season two, got to the end of it. Holy Oh, the Mandalorian is such a good show. And by the way, if you're not a, if you're not into all the other Star Wars stuff, you need to go watch all the Clone Wars. Then there's the Bad Batch, and there's all this other cool Star Wars stuff coming out. Those guys are doing amazing things with Star Wars. Um, Dave Filoni, in particular, I mean, a lot of people will give all the credit to John Favreau because, like, John Favreau is the guy who made the Mandalorian. It's like, yeah, but without Dave Filoni doing the Clone Wars for all those years. And everything else, we wouldn't have the Mandalorian because all of the characters in the Mandalorian are based off of Dave Filoni's work with Clone Wars. Yeah, and he's a heavy part of that show just as much as John Favreau is. The Mandalorian, I can bring you in 
warm or I could bring you in cold. Like that opening line in the first <laughs> yeah. episode, like one of the coolest sequences I've ever seen in a show ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are doing some amazing things. And but, you know so, what? Yeah. The, the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian is, is a really good example of how to do nostalgia in a very yes. good way, like a Agreed. very wholesome way. Because one thing, and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not one of those people that thinks the new Star Wars movies are trash. I know some people do. I, they're okay, right? They're, yeah. I, I feel like I feel them. I feel like they did better than than Lucas was doing. Honestly, um, not uh, not obviously the original trilogy, but like the Anakin stuff, man, was pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty bad. I mean, let's just be. It's pretty freaking bad. Like, how did you make Darth <laughs> Vader's story so kind of dumb? You know. Uh, but anyway. The the Mandalorian, I think the big and somebody in chat mentioned one word that's super key, and that's gritty, dude. Gritty. The original Star Wars back back then was just it felt so like everything just barely worked. Things were super old and just busted, and they just kept repairing the super old technology. And it was just it was so cool to see. Uh, it was so different than the other sci-fi universes. And I feel like the Mandalorian captures that spirit again, whereas yes. the new Star Wars um, movies kind of don't it's kind of like i don't know it's everything's all fresh and pretty and you know it's just it's just a different kind of feel for the universe um and i think that's a big key factor why the mandalorian's so good for old school uh star wars fans and and i want to mention a bad example in my opinion of nostalgia and that's i hate to say because i fall for it every freaking time but nintendo they have some crappy policies where it's the same game. Like, guys, it's the same. They re-released Super Mario All-Stars as an anniversary Mario collection on, I think it was the Wii, yeah. for 60 bucks. <laughs> Mario All-Stars on Super Nintendo for 40 bucks in 1993. Like, you you can't do that. That's 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 bullcrap. Uh, I feel like they got a little better with their Nintendo service. You can play a lot of the old Nintendo and Super Nintendo games or whatever. But dude, they just keep selling us the same game, the exact same. I'm game. glad you said that because I feel in my mind the Skyrim edition that's coming out is the biggest. That is one of the skeeviest, scammiest. Let we're just gonna. I'm gonna use a, a, a naughty word here, so I apologize in advance. Uh -oh. You are raping people at that point mm -hmm. for their money. You're just literally. You're just like. That's I feel like that's what you're doing at that point because you've already re-released that game how many times? You've got multi-million dollar franchises. There is no need for another version. It's just oh look, there's a new console out and we can sell to either an entirely new generation or we could get all these people who want to own it on the PS5 and the Xbox Series X on top of already owning it on the PC and the PS3 and the PS4. It's like for in my mind that I'm that's my opinion. Now, feel X, like... now Xbox, I feel like their their practice is a little better, right? Because if I the games I bought way back in the day on the Xbox 360, my son still plays those games on yep. his Xbox One. They and do a good one job. day yeah. when we get the new Xbox, he can play it on that. And it's like you bought those games, and here they still are, right? And that's pretty cool. Um, but Nintendo has never worked that way. It's always it's a new console. Here's the same game yeah. uh, again. If you want to pay us again for the same game so you yeah. can play it today on the, you know, it's not even you know, any different. What I wish they would do is like they make it. I, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure if you 
the I think it's called their virtual console. I haven't yeah, I haven't been on I haven't yeah. been on in a minute on my on my uh on the Switch or whatever, but I know the virtual console on the Wii U when I was playing it then. You literally like I could go and I could I jumped on the Switch and on the Switch I think I have access to those, but it's only those old school titles. It doesn't apply to like uh Wind Waker, uh Twilight Princess, Hyrule Warriors, uh Breath of you know, Breath of the Wild. N- none of those will carry over, but all of the like virtual console stuff will. And I just wish that what they would do is like go, okay, we released this version. There hasn't even like even if this was the only thing they did, right? Was we released it on this and we haven't done a new iteration or remake or anything like that, right? The original version was released here. We've made it to where you can play it on a virtual console here on the new system. So yeah. if you got it and it's like linked to your account, you've got it. That would feel so good. And it would also, for me as a player, like I would probably, real talk here, I would probably play on my Switch much more frequently. If yeah. I could, if that would carry over and I could keep. And my, I would spend more money. I, I, really I would, would too. I would, I would build a collection of yeah. my my classic games knowing that I, you know, I would play them. I would you know, too. How do you guys feel about, I don't know if this is necessarily the same type of conversation, but how do you guys feel about the um, the constant push for progression servers, TLP servers, um, and the and yet these come because I know there's been some backlash. And the only reason this is why I bring this up: the newest EverQuest Two expansion was announced, I think, yesterday mm-hmm. or the day before, and the reactions that I've seen to it are entirely negative. It's just so what you're going to charge us money for an expansion that has like it's one new zone, five new dungeons, or three new dungeons or something, and it's basically you're going to charge us money for an expansion that should have just been a patch like an actual patch content, but you're charging us an expansion cost. Meanwhile, all they're doing in order to really drive sales is continue to just do new TLPs every year, shutting down the old TLPs, moving everybody to one of the old ones that's like three combined and then launching one or two new ones. Because EverQuest 1 does it, EverQuest 2 does it, um, Lord of the Rings Online started doing it a couple of years ago, and they're continuing to do that, not as prevalently as those two games. And then, of course, World of Warcraft, which saw the classic servers be a huge push for those. What do you think about that? Because I, I look at, specifically, I look at the case of EverQuest 1 and EverQuest 2, and I understand that that is their primary way of generating income, which allows them to maintain the team, to push out new content for those games. But at some point, I have to ask the question, wouldn't it be better to take all of those man hours between your two games, EverQuest 1 and EverQuest 2, and make EverQuest 3? Like, yeah. you know, you're putting the same amount of man hours into development time, right? It's just – that's a man hour question at that point. If, if you're putting – if you got a team of 15 guys on one team and a team of 15 people on the other, you got 30 people, you know, you could have them working part-time keep those games in maintenance mode and and do that and not worry about new content for those games and instead be building a new game but that's just me i'm also you know still butthurt about everquest next right. um but i you know what are you guys' thoughts on that i mean is that skeevy or not is what i guess i, I, I don't so i i don't think it's wrong right because i get a lot of satisfaction out of like oh i've know, yeah i've yeah i love it but like 
I do see that, and I think at every time there's a new TLP, right? I think it, exactly what you said every time. Like, I wish, though, that they would either, I'll tell you what I wish they would do. I wish they would just take EverQuest 1. I know people say this a million times. Just take EverQuest 1, right? Take out all the janky, weird things, right, that they never even intended to be in the game that now people just say is a feature of EverQuest. Uh, take that that out. Make it a little bit more as intended and just actually remake that game, right, and release that as, like, the ultimate TLP server. Like, it's got, you know, fairly modern graphics, right? You know, good enough to be like, yeah, this is a modern game and see what happens, right? Like, you want to talk about an experiment in MMORPGs. Take the original one that, that all these people fondly look back to. Don't release it with all the... Don't just take the uh, the original source code, if they even have it, and just redo, you know, pop some graphics on top of it. Actually remake the game, not re-release it, with decent graphics. Let's just see what happens, right? Like, that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate test. Like, are these games actually that good, or is it completely nostalgia, right? Um, and I, that that's what I think they should do. But I, I, like, there's still MMOs right now that I'm like, man, I wish they'd release a classic server for. Because it brings back people, and, you know, there's brand new people come, and they're like, yeah, I used to watch my my dad play it, but I've never played it, and it's a good time for me to jump in and see, see what it's all about. So I think it's a good practice, but it's not the best practice. I also feel like yeah. it's feel mandatory to keep those to keep those games alive at this point because that's my perspective is i'm neutral to it because i also when you got a game that's been out that long right like developers you gotta make a living to keep something going it's been out for a long time and if you're getting content and there's a price tag on the content i even if there is or isn't a subscription model i think if you're still delivering content right people can choose whether they want to pay for that price or not and pay to buy it or not. I mean, that's kind of my perspective. I think it's tough for me to really reflect on the EverQuest story because maybe I would feel very different about this if I <clears throat> played the game and had uh, that more, emotional attachment. more emotional attachment or even had more reference points as someone who's been a player and been part of the community, had more of like a history to like really reflect on, which I don't have. And my perspective might be different based on a lot of awareness around a lot of the choices that the development made along the way. True. So, well, well, you're a good test subject, though. Yeah. yeah. So, so let me ask you this question. Okay. If it looked good, right? It looked really good. But it was EverQuest. And it was the original game. But it looked good. And um, it was coming out. And it cost you 60 bucks to buy it. Uh, I don't think they would do that, but let's just say they cut 60 bucks to buy it in a, in, a, in a monthly subscription fee. How on a scale of one to 10 likely are you to give it a shot? Be like, you know what? This is a good time to see what this was all about. A 10. Yeah, I exactly. would be a 10 because I would have a, a version that isn't, you know, aged. Right. But it is true to what it originally was. And I would have the opportunity to go experience it. And and why would that experience be important to me? To me, that I I give it a ten on value, because I don't know a whole lot about the world, but I have too many people. You two are both the people that would have influenced my decision on this. Uh, T Elf and plenty of other people in my community that I've known for years, who have referenced EverQuest with fond memories, with good experiences, with a lot of nostalgia, 
And if I had the opportunity to have a, a in in some capacity a fresh slate to try it to jump in, I would I would do it Be, because of that of that awareness of that experience. You just others. said something really important too. If you had the community to do it with, because and I and I saw you said that too, and also Cheryl just said in chat something about it wasn't the same without community. So mm. this is something very funny. I'm glad you said this because it just triggered this. When I saw the announcement for EverQuest two expansion the other day, my initial reaction was, eh. I don't really care because I haven't played that game for many years. However, much like Nathan, every time there's a freaking TLP server, I go back. I, the exception is the last ones, the last one for EverQuest. I resisted. This is the first TLP that I did not play for EverQuest. I have played every single other one. I always box two characters and I always have managed a guild of like 40, 50 people. This was the first time mm. I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm in a different place with my life right now. I, I don't. Uh. -uh. However, I sat here. I'm not gonna lie. Like I saw that announcement for AQ2, and I had this. I'm, it was like an like a like an internal like thing that just went scratch this itch. And <laughs> and it was like, wouldn't it be cool to like get together a group of like six people and go in on a TLP server and like just do it like once or twice a week with a group that doesn't care about rushing to the end and we just want to do the story and we want to explore, do the heritage quests and the signature quests and we want to go you know, get your dwarven ring mail coat. We want to go explore Crushbone, all these things. And I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. And then it was like, yeah, but I've already done that like six times over the last six years and it's just i don't know and the, and the big thing about a, a remaster versus that which we anybody played an old game and mm. they're doing that you get that itch that that Renfo's talking about but the big difference is for like new players they when they play everquest it's way different right like I, when i got my wife to finally play it she was just like this looks really bad and I was like, no, it doesn't. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. It's from 1999. She was like, I don't care when it's from. It looks really bad. She's like, no. And to me, it doesn't because I That's can my brother, my mind, by the way. <laughs> I can put my mind back to 1999 and how amazing that was at that time. Sim can't do that. Sim's going to play it and literally be like, this looks nah, really bad. Like, this looks like Dookie, homie. I don't want That's wanna. my brother. Yeah. Like, I've had two of my friends who have tried it who never played it. One is my brother, and he was like, I can't. It's just it's the controls are too janky and the graphics. <laughs> yeah. cool. The second was a friend of mine that the moment he logged into Project 1999, he didn't do TLP. He did P99 with this. And he logged into P99, and there was no compass and no mini-map, and he was like, fuck this. I'm no. out. Like, <laughs> He's like, I'm done. I can't, can't do it. Like, no, I got to level up. No, I'm not doing that. Like, what Whatever sense heading is, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, but you I'm like, yeah, but you can keybind your keybind your sense heading to your right turn key, and then keybind your forage to your left key, yeah. and then your tracking to your forward key, and then you're leveling up all your abilities like, when no. you're running around. He's like, no, that's like, no, right? thanks, that's not, that's <laughs> stupid. He's like, I don't want to do it. This is like a no yeah. for me, sir. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so that's my perspective, right? Because me, I'd be like, I get to go on a, a fresh adventure. It would be a fresh adventure, and I would know I would have people to play with who would be down to probably try it too. either some having the same perspective as me or some doing it because they've known it for a long time. And they'd have, they, you know, would probably want to play it together too. But we're talking about like, we've got other uh, actual gaming news to talk about. We haven't even touched on yet, but I do want to make sure we hit on some of this stuff. So we talked about monetization and here's something I actually want to just throw this one out there for the community 
This is, we're going to talk about it, but this is my question. I actually want to get as many people's feedback on this, on the video when it goes to YouTube, here in chat now. If you listen to it, holler in Discord. You can join Discord, whatever, discord.gg forward slash some more. We've got channels here. Um, you can you can totally add me, hit me up with a DM, whatever. I actually really want to know what as many people I can gather feedback on think about this. And that's going to be things like cryptocurrency and NFTs and video games. Okay, now Renfield actually linked this article, which I linked earlier. The, the title on this one right here is NFT game steals artwork, gets called out, deletes account, right? So essentially, NFTs are non-fungible tokens, right? Is what they're called. And they're in... They can be, there's, okay, so the NFTs are a big conversation. I even had someone in, I'm going to let Redfell explain it because he'll give you a much better expl explanation of NFTs, but I actually had someone the other day going, Sim, I, I wish you would do NFTs for like your stuff. I would get it. I'm just like, what is, would you want cryptocurrency as a pay, a payment source for a game? Would you want to buy stuff in games with crypto? Do you think NFTs or crypto belong in games and in monetization models at all? Would you be okay with it? Yay or nay? Why and why not? And that that's my question. Because I am of the mind that I don't want to see crypto or NFTs and video games. I don't want people monetizing video games like that. And I think that there's a, a massive part of the audience this is just my perspective. I could be wrong, dude. If I'm wrong, fine, right? I'm okay with being wrong. I'm just one guy with his own thoughts. My perspective is I think most gamers in general would be like, that's kind of weird. Why are we trying to, why are we, why are we selling stuff like this in a game? Why are we using this to like pay for this or that in a video game? It feels foreign. It feels uncomfortable. I don't trust it. I don't want to do it. And automatically, a lot of people are probably gonna be like, nope. So before I dive into this, mm -hmm. I want to I want to take us back a century or so to when the Wheat Thresher machine first came onto the scene, and especially uh, we're talking uh, rural England at this point. Um, the Wheat Thresher is a machine that takes the, the wheat after it's harvested and essentially it shakes the wheat and gets the grains to fall off the stalk and then gets rid of the stalk. Now, previously... Prior to the threshing machine, it was all done by hand. So you would have huge groups of men who would get together every year at seasonal harvest time. They would go out. They would get paid to do this. They would go into the fields, and they would cut the wheat, and they would, by hand, they would take chains and sticks with chains, and they would thrash the wheat, and they would knock the, the seeds off that, and they would do it all manually. When that threshing machine first came into the industry – it was foreign. It was different. It scared them. It was so different that it was almost like the boogeyman had come into their midst. And then it became a reality because it went from just a handful of farms having it to a lot of farms were having it. But in the early days when it was just a couple of farmers, people were so terrified by it because it was taking away their livelihoods that they would go out in mobs and they would burn these machines and the farmers who had them, they would burn their farms down because they didn't want that machine to take their livelihood away. And I say this because of one thing. I, I do understand the 
the fact that NFTs and blockchain yeah. and everything, it's too new. And and I'm yeah. I'm by the way, I use that as an example of something I'm about to say here in a minute because I'm in the same boat where I think it's too new. It's unregulated, which is what terrifies me. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it has a place right now in legitimate and I'm using that word. I think it's a good word to use. I don't think it has a place in legitimate game development. I am that's my opinion though, because on the one hand, it is so new. I don't want us to be like the farmers a hundred years ago who were terrified of the threshing machine because it was technology and we went, ah, the boogeyman. Like there is that aspect to it. But at the same time, that scam shit that just happened, that's a very classic example of why NFTs don't belong and why blockchain is not a good source of legitimate monetization for games right now because it's completely unregulated and so crap like that can happen and people are going to lose potentially millions mm -hmm. yeah. and this this ties into you know the scam starter thing um i mean look at it this way um uh, the easiest way to explain nfts is it is a let's just say i have let's say chris my wife um creates a piece of digital art and then we put that up for sale as an nft suddenly somebody can buy the right to own that digital piece of art yet i still have that file on my hard drive and so does she she has the original file on her hard drive so how does that in any way shape or form make sense from a logical standpoint that you can have a digital item that you own but yet everyone can have a copy of it's like that part of it doesn't make sense at all whereas physical art if I buy the original, I own the motherfucking original. Like yeah. it's in my house. I could touch it, feel it, smell it, see it. You know, yeah. that's the one aspect of NFTs. It's a little hard for people to to wrap their head around. But the the issue I have with blockchain and and crypto right now is that it's just so the reason. One of the reasons I didn't get into crypto is because Elon Musk can fart. And the entire yeah. crypto market changes off of yeah. one guy sneezing or something. And I don't believe that one person should have that sort of ability to influence a currency-based market. And until it gets regulated, and until it gets to the point where we can actually regulate these things and ensure the safety and security of the investors. Mm -hmm. So this is the other thing. Um we may have talked about this on the show before, like, you know, with traditional investments, in order to, for you to bring investors onto your company, you have to have a disclosure form that gets given to the investors that they have to read through and sign that they understand all the risks involved. And then that gets presented to the SEC and, and the federal government. And if you've failed to notify your investors of the risks, you face securities fraud, which can put you in jail. Um, or if you breach any of the terms of that or they find out that you did scammy shit, that's called regulation, and it's there for a reason. It's there to protect people from shitty people. It's to protect good people from shitty people, um, and there's no regulation. And, and a good example with that article was this company went out, and it basically was a case of they're like, we're going to sell NFTs to our game. Well, guess what? The third-party contractor that they hired to produce all of the artwork – right ended up just literally stealing artwork from other people's places, websites, digital comics, other games, Twitch, you know, Twitter feeds, everything else, and just took all that artwork and presented it to this company and said, here you go, here's a bunch of original artwork that you can sell as NFTs. There was no vetting. There was no regulation. There was nothing in place 
to ensure that that was legitimate work, which, by the way, this ties back to the issue that happened, I believe it was with the game Oath, um, where there were assets that were passed on that were supposedly original assets, and it turns out they weren't. They were literally just copy and pasted from the store, and they weren't actually – they weren't kitbashed or anything. It was just copy and paste. Like that that stuff is prevalent in unregulated markets. And that's yeah. why mm-hmm. that's why I don't trust blockchain, crypto, or any sort of NFT stuff yeah. for anything. Like I refuse to put my money into crypto because it's just not regulated and it's too volatile. Yeah. And also, I, I mean go ahead, Nate. I've been ranting forever. I, I, I was just gonna else say <laughs> I I don't like it for a different reason. Okay. I think especially when we're talking about bitcoins and and cryptocurrency i think it's uh damaging to uh actual gamers right like most of a lot of us let me say it that way a lot of us suffered over the years because of the bs with with freaking bitcoins right like i'm using a different computer now than the one i actually wanted to continue to build upon because of the bs with the graphics cards there's there's good people who mine right and and play video mm-hmm. games and they're they're my kind of people right and they exist they're out there but for the most part the people who are really big into the bit mining are the kind of nerds I don't like right there's this group of nerds who everything they do has and they're they're nerdy people right like they could hang with you on uh, the same kind of stuff that you like in most scenarios but everything they do has to be about profit right it has to be about making money or getting ahead of everybody else those are the kind of nerds i don't like right Right. like typically don't assimilate with those kind of people and and it's not always true right it's nothing's a blanket statement that's always true right but for the most part for a big portion of it uh those just aren't my people and i think that, that a lot of my people suffer because of the absurdity of buying out all these graphics cards so they can, you know, m- mine for bitcoins and all. This. Oh wow! Just, you just that—that's a trigger point for me, and I'm going to not do it on the show because I just ranted for crypto for a minute. <laughs> but I will say this: I watched a guy who uh, watched a video recently where he he bought like 20 bitcoins way back in the day, right when they were worth nothing. Yeah. And flash forward 10 years or whatever, and they're worth all this money. What did he do with that money? He could have invested in a million different things, but instead he went out and he bought thousands of graphics cards and built a fucking farm in the middle of the countryside oh, no. to build a Bitcoin oh, farming. No. Um, no! <laughs> and that, that's the stuff that I just, I, 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 I see that. And that's the trigger thing for me too. Cause it's like, you know, you just bought, you know, whatever it is, 10,000 graphics cards or something. And you built all these oh, warehouse no. type buildings on a farm in the middle of nowhere so that you could farm more Bitcoin. Oh, Nathan. Oh, Meanwhile, Nathan. me and my people are suffering, right? We're yeah. just like, we just want graphics cards so we can do our job so we can play games in high quality so we can enjoy our life right like and these little douchebags that is such a douchebaggery move right like that's that's on the same level the people who were buying every roll of toilet paper when they knew that regular that you're not gonna need this much toilet paper right like what what just because there's a pandemic, you're gonna have to wipe your butt every five seconds like this makes no sense you're making innocent people suffer 
people are wondering yep. why Nathan's so frustrated right now, I would encourage you to go back to a couple episodes before he talked about <laughs> buying a, uh, he needed a, a graphics card, couldn't get one. So he got a, he got a new computer instead. This was the a new computer. Wasn't the right. He wanted to go. He wanted to go yep. upgrading his graphics card. And this is essentially putting, uh, a, a person you're, we're identifying to some degree a vague individual that he can now reference as the cause of his misfortune yes One yeah and it's worth mentioning it's worth mentioning right like yes. it's worth mentioning that i humiliated myself right i humiliated <laughs> myself because i was given this great opportunity one time that i shall not mention and because my graphics card i could not upgrade it my frames on this epic moment that was supposed to be in my life, I couldn't fulfill my viewers who were anticipating this moment because my frames were hot garbage because I couldn't upgrade my card. And so I humiliated myself. It's very, it's very, it's very, that that's just crazy. It like, seriously, dude, a whole, like, you know, you just got to imagine that, like, all you and, like, how many people could have found enjoyment out of these 10,000 graphics cards this douchebag had lined up this Bitcoin farm. And it's like, dude, it, imagine if when we were kids and the Nintendo was a hot thing, everybody wanted one for Christmas, and this guy just came along and was like, I'm buying them all just so I can freaking, you know, uh, try to line them up in a barn know, and look at them every yeah, day. Line them, yeah, line them up in a barn and look at them. And it's like, dude, like, what a douchebag. Some people move. do, and and I have I have very personal experience with the douchebaggery. Some people will do oh, for money. Um, people get stupid about money sometimes. Uh, oh my gosh! Really, people get stupid about money. Nathan, yeah. I, I just want you to know that, like, I'm. You're an important person to me, man. It comes from a place of love when I say this, but it brings me the kind of joy that <laughs> I feel joy watching you go full napalm in the same way I watched one of my brothers back in the day when he threw a fit. And you were just like, <laughs> I hate to do it. I hate to do you're it. Just but like, you're just kind of like, like covering your mouth. You're like, uh oh. <laughs> like, I didn't mean to do it. I thought I was going to stay calm that uh, time. But it, it's been overdue, though. To be fair, the farm, the farm. That just that was too much. <laughs> yeah, the farm, the, the douchebag farm. <laughs> yeah, and then also the the one that gets me is like, I would love to own uh, a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, and I can't because I refuse to pay three hundred to five hundred dollars. I refuse to pay double for the fucking console because all these reseller dipshits out there have gone out there and bought everything up. And it's like, well, scalpers, no, man. not, yeah. oh, yeah, not going to do it. The scalpers. It's going to happen. It's, hor it's, I, it's horrible, dude. Yeah. These, these publishers too, I got to say, like they could be, a, they could give a little bit of slack on the situation. They know how many people want to play a certain game. That's only here or there. And I understand you, you do, you do deals and stuff where it's like a, you know, where it's a exclusive for a while or whatever, but like demon souls, for example, that's really the only game I really, really, really right now released want to play. And it's only on PS five. Yeah. It's like, this was, this was pretty well known, right? Like pretty much you knew that the PS fives are going to be super out of stock, et cetera. That should have been a PC release as well. Like, I just feel like PC's neutral. They're not part of your console war. So, like, if you want to do an exclusive deal, it should also include PC, right? Like, it's only on PS4 and PC, you know, or it's on, or I'm not PS5 and PC, or it's only on Xbox and PC. I mean, how many co how many copies you really want to sell that game too is what I think. Yeah, and you know, eventually it'll come out on PC or whatever, you know. But it's just like, man, 
I wish that we could get over this, like, PC is uh, also included in your exclusive wars, right? Like, come on, man. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, I think it would be cool that, like, you know, it's released on all of them. They all are able to make it happen. And, like, and whatever your preference is for what you enjoy, it could be that you like the UI on the PlayStation more than the Xbox. Like, for me... You know, I I enjoyed like you remember like was it PlayStation two or three? You like you had that like that like you know your screen or whatever, and you had this like cool like aura like magic thread thing going on. It was like back there that was like PS3, always kind of moving, yeah. dude. Back when that was back in the day when that was three. Back in the day, whenever I, I had that console, I was like, I honestly, I'm no kidding. Like the 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 like ambient sounds and like that just dark you know, with like the like light threads that went through it. Like I would low key just leave that on because I fucking loved looking at it and the sound was like kind of chill and it was like, dude, I'll just leave this on my TV because, you know, I don't care if I burn an image into my screen, F it, I don't care, whatever. But this is, this is nice. It was like nice. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I had like some candles in there. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> my point is. <laughs> That's, that actually, I remember yeah, that. I was chill. on my couch during that time. Asked <laughs> hey, What are you doing, dude? Now you really do feel like a brother. <laughs> now you really feel like one of my brothers. Right now, that was a that was a that was one of my brothers. That's the kind of shit. That <laughs> Unbelievable. So Discord, man. That that That's new today, by the way. Is that today? Yeah, that was like shit. six hours before I shared it to you. Uh, it was like six hours before, I think, or something like that. It was Jeez. really. Yeah, that's that's today news. Like fifteen billion though. Yeah, they got they got five hundred million dollars in this current round of investment, which equals like three point three percent of the company value. But the evaluation is a fifteen billion dollar evaluation for Discord. Mm, wow. No, it's no longer a rumor, is what I'm getting at. Because when we talked about it a few weeks back, that was the rumored. No, they just finished the funding round, and that's the actual valuation that it got. Jeez, dude. I'm wondering, man, where's where's Discord going? I'm wondering, Remains dude. To be seen. Yeah. It feels like they're pushing for something bigger, doesn't it? Or is it just me? No, they definitely are. Yeah. Well, I they're definitely like, they're they're trying to. And we talked about this last time we brought it up. They're pushing to get beyond gaming. They're they're mm -hmm. they're wanting to go mainstream and have it be like the Slack of you right. know where they're they're in every little niche and cranny. Um, I, I think it's a superior platform in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I have had a hard time convincing colleagues in the non-gaming space to switch over to it because they're unfamiliar with it, even though Discord is trying to make the push because it hasn't made a big enough push yet. Um, because it's like everyone's always like, well, I've got Skype. And it's like, yeah, but the audio and video quality on Skype sucks compared yeah. to Discord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Discord is so much better. It's so mm -hmm. much easier. Plus, you can set up your own community and your own server and you can have you can have text chat as well as voice chat. You could set up memberships. You could tie it into your Patreon. Like there's all these things. The functionality of Discord is is very powerful. Um, but some some non gaming people are still on the fence. So I'm hoping now that it's got a legitimate, it's moving beyond gaming now, and it's going to be seen right. as a more legitimate tech business. I'm hoping that we start to see Discord showing up in a lot of different places because I would love people to just forget the fuck about Skype. Um, yeah, because I hate Skype. Dude, Discord's been, I mean, I've been seeing the push most recently. They keep like kind of, are you uh, in, in schools? Like, it seems like right now they're, I think what they're doing 
could be wrong. Just seems like the angle during the pandemic. I think they're, they're kind of pushing to like get schools and classroom settings sort of like tied into because It'd be a brilliant move. If you get it, the education system on board, you've got federal funding. There. Yep. And you Man. get grant money. There's a whole lot more you can do, and then you can get act. Then you get tied in with PBS and the public broadcasting system. And man, there's there's all sorts yeah. of crazy stuff yeah. that can go. You imagine Discord. And you know, Discord's have been a good company so far. Um, you know, Has. we'll see what happens. Look, but I, we dude. can't we can't we can't just skim over the Skype hate real quick though. We got to talk about that because it, I never hear anybody talking about how annoying it is. That Skype's like pre-installed on freaking everything, oh, yeah. And how true. difficult they make it to to remove it, turn it off. It's like such a big pain in the butt just to tell Skype to shut up. You know, it's always bothering you. Like, oh, Skype, oh, oh, yeah. It's like, dude, I'm purposefully not using you, right? Like, um, and you got to have it for some things. So it's just like you got. It's unfortunate, die. yes, because I still have uh, I have meetings twice a month, basically that still take place on Skype. Um, I, I've pushed for Discord and Zoom, and and for some reason, I think just Zoom. Some people don't like Zoom for some reason, um, and Skype still remains like the number one. Um, and I have had Skype. I will say that when Skype first came on the scene, it was revolutionary because back in the day, I remember just, I was still dealing with like ICQ. Was that was that what it called? ICQ or yeah, it sounds right. Like yeah. A messaging system. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, That's and. Yeah, so then, so back in the day, Tim, I had a long distance relationship with a girl from Bulgaria, and so mm -hmm. I used to have to do that whole long distance thing. I did that for a long time. So there was a lot of ICQ, very expensive long distance phone call <laughs> bills, um, and then Skype came on the scene, and it was like it revolutionized everything because now there was video chat, and it didn't cost a freaking fortune to do. Um, Skype used to be a very revolutionary thing. Then Microsoft bought them uh, and turned them into this nasty it. thing. Um, kind of like Instagram. Instagram used to be a really cool app, and then Facebook bought it and turned it into a spawn from Satan. Wow! Um, please, please, twenty video cards to show your support for the show. That was a Twitter comment from Hids, by the way. As we're good in luck. the middle of us being live, <laughs> like good luck finding fifty video cards. Is dude, what I got. Good luck. Discord man, like I, FYI, if you're actually watching this on YouTube or the ashes pathfinder podcast which is like the sister show for ashes of creation right that one's like 100 and i think we're 143 episodes on sunday if i'm not mistaken this one's at 52 today every episode of both of these shows has been done via discord from day one because to me the it only... was the, the best most user-friendly way to go yes. about doing it and it's 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 worked very well. The only thing time. that I wish we could do different is I wish they would expand the, um, you know, you can only have 10 people at any given time in a video chat. And that's the one thing that I think Zoom is superior to Discord with is because if you do have more than 10, you can have all those people on the screen at the same time. Um, obviously, everybody gets smaller, but you can get everybody in video chat at the same time, whereas you are limited to that hard cap of 10 with Discord. But I think it's going to be pretty rare that you're going to be having more than a handful of people on a video call at the same time, unless you're doing something really crazy, which that was actually a, a 
troubleshooting thing my brother and I were going over last night about how many people can we, what's the maximum amount of people we could take into a tabletop session? And it was like, well, what are we using? And it was like, well, if you're using Discord, then we got to cap it at 10 because we can't, plus I don't want to be DMing more than 10 people, but it's like, that is a hard limitation with Discord. But other than that, somebody said, I think in your chat, it's free for the quality you get for being free. I mean, yeah. As long as you have a good internet connection and a good webcam, you're getting all of the quality that mm-hmm. is available. Yeah, they've they've increased the quality over the years too that I've been using it. Yeah. So it's like for me, Discord's just the way to go. There was, there were there was one I was using for a while there, and it just didn't really work. It was being developed by Unity. It was like Overtone or something. I think it was called. Never even heard I of it. They yeah, they weren't really pushing it very good. And then COVID, uh, COVID happened, and then I never heard from the devs on that again. So I don't know where it's at because they kind of just it just kind of disappeared. And I was like, you know, I was partnered with them and I was like working with them to promote it. And I was testing it and stuff like that. And then it just fell off the radar, you know. Uh, so it was like, damn, OK, I don't know what to say about that. But why don't we circle back around here and talk about uh, we talked about Fortnite, right? Like the game feels really good. It's clearly doing really good. Like like it, love it, hate it, whatever the case might be. Um, it's in a it's in a really good stage these days as well. But I'll tell you something, man. There was a judge ruling, and Renfeld grabbed these articles for us so we could look at them. And we've got two sides to this, right? We've got the judge rules. So this is important because we've been talking here on this show for for months. When we talk about the scam starters and these games have been going out there doing these dirty things, right? Ripping people off, stealing money. Allegedly, that's that's my opinion anyway. Here's my thing. Okay. This thing that was going down between Apple and Epic, right? This, this along with the scams and stuff that have been going on, right? We got the thing with Blizzard that's been happening, right? With the state of California. All these different things have been going on in the gaming world. We keep saying... Things are going to have to change. Like, think there, there's more and more eyes now on this. You can't really fly under the radar and impact people and take from them in the way that you've been doing. And, you know, this sense of or this, you know, working towards a sense of maybe fairness, you know, between developers and the states and government and the consumers. It's, revolution's coming. It's Something's going to have to change because things going the way they've been going can't happen anymore. Well, it looks like there's some rulings here. So a judge rules Apple must make it easier to shop outside the app store. And the other flip side of the coin is Epic wins big Fortnite lawsuit against Apple. So there's two sides to this. I'm going to link this in chat and then we can, we can kind of, I mean, Renfo, you can maybe kind of take it away and kind of chat about it a yeah, little bit. So the, the, it was a win lose for both sides. Um, Nobody, nobody won clearly. The judge did a very good job of of finding a compromise that that she felt was fair. So the most important takeaway from this, this this is the most important takeaway. Like if you read like ninety percent of the reports, they talk about how Epic won big right. because Apple is now forced to permit everybody to send people off site to monetize however they want. So mm-hmm. that was the big fight was that Fortnite said, well, we don't want to pay Apple 30% just because. So we're going to redirect people to buy things from our store within that app experience. And that's what started the lawsuit because Apple said, well, that's a breach mm-hmm. of contract because you're not allowed to reroute people through your own payment structure. You need to do it through our payment setup and our payment gateway so that we get our 30% cut. So the judge ruled 
that moving forward, I think they have 90 days. It's like towards the end of the year, basically. They have till the end of the year. It was 90 days, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they have a, an, an amount of time that Apple has before they have to implement that new uh, structure, which means... It takes effect on um, December 9th. Yeah, so it's like end of the year. So um, moving forward, everybody is allowed to reroute people however they want to make money. Now, Apple's probably going to appeal that because their whole business structure with the pay store is to getting that 30% cut of revenue by forcing people to use their payment structure through Apple, right? So we'll see how the appeals go and everything else. But for now, it's a win for Fortnite on that front. It's also a win for every fucking developer on the planet because we're no longer going to have to be forced to choke down that 30% horse you know, I won't go that far, but you know what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not being forced to pay 30% to someone just for using their system. I have nothing against paying someone yeah. for their platform. Mm-hmm. 10%, whatever, 15% cost of doing business, but 30% just to use your platform. It's excessive. The judge did say, though, I can't rule this a monopoly, even though they do obviously have a large market share, but they haven't yet gotten to a monopoly state because they don't control the entire environment because there are other platforms like Epic's platform and Steam and other sources. So there's Google Play as well. So she didn't the the, the antitrust monopoly thing got kind of got thrown out. But that was a win for Epic in that sense because now all developers around the world are going to win from that assuming that Apple doesn't appeal it and assuming they don't win the appeal. The loss for Fortnite however and they did appeal this. Epic appealed this. Um like a week ago, or maybe it was this week. I don't remember exactly when, but they, they have appealed this. The judge also said that Epic breached their contract with Ep- with Apple when they sent people and routed them to their own payment structure to get around that 30% pay cut. And because they breached that, they owe Apple a 30% cut of all revenue generated from the date of the breach, I think up until the date of the ruling, I don't remember the exact timeline on that, but it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of money. It's tens of millions of dollars, if I'm not mistaken, like $30 million or something. I, I, I haven't read the article in a few days, so I could be mistaken on the exact amount. But the judge did rule that, no, Epic, you have to pay Apple that money because that's the 30% that they're owed because you breached that contract with them when you rerouted people through your own payment structure, even though you did it as an FU. You know? And so, But Epic is appealing that because they say we shouldn't have to pay them I think that's just a, you know, they're going to try to get that reduced to a settlement, perhaps um, some sort of a lesser amount, because it is a very big amount of money that they still technically owe Apple. So it was a win for both sides, in a sense. Um, but I think the bigger win is definitely Epic. And the fact that, uh, again, assuming Apple doesn't appeal and they actually follow through with this, that it's a win for everybody on the on a global scale for developers, because they no longer have to be forced into using that particular payment app and giving away 30% of their income, which by the way is the same. I mean, I may have ranted about this last week of the show. One of the reasons I hate steam is because of that mm-hmm. mandatory 30%. BS. Oh yeah. That was last week for sure. Mm-hmm. They have that 30% too. And yeah, they brought up a good point too. Twitch takes like a pretty significant cut from bits whenever you contribute them, you know, or if you buy them to like percent of your subs. Yeah. Depending on, yeah. Depending on like, you know, if you're affiliate or if you're like partner and what tier subs you're talking about, there's a whole different, 
whole whole different yeah, set of like I things think that's there. a little different though because that's kind of like yeah. i feel like i feel like that like youtube or twitch or whatever insert here they are promoting you though right like some people yeah. you know you might be like oh, i'm not especially with you. google right right yeah. like you're, you're getting promoted so like yeah they deserve some of your cut right because if it weren't for them you know you wouldn't have anything that's different for like steam right like yeah they yeah. could just a lot of times they do. You can get the game off their website or you can get, you know, it's not like it's, that's not always true. Sometimes it's Steam only, but that's a special deal they make with Steam. Um, but typically speaking, like Steam doesn't really help promote. They don't promote shit. Yeah. An indie developer, right? Mm -hmm. They will like, you know, and they probably, I don't know, there's probably a fee for that, I would assume. But like, you know, Square Enix releases the, the you know, whatever, then they're probably going to be on the front page, et cetera. But like some indie developer releases something, and until it uh, until they grassroots make it sell a lot, like Valheim yeah. or whatever, then they're not going to promote it. It's just some other random game. Uh, so, and in a way, that's good because there's so much bull crap on Steam, right? Like people release absolute garbage on there. So it's like I wouldn't want to see that trash. Um, but they could work out a system much better than what they got, where it's like, hey, you buy a ton of RPGs. Here's a new RPG. Here's a, you know, here's a bunch. And they do it to an extent, but it's it's just kind of weaselly done to where it's like, yeah, obviously I know about that game, right? Like, you know, you don't have to advertise that. Everybody knows about that game. Uh, I don't know. I, it could be much better. The other thing, um, there was an article that I linked at some point. It's not directly related to that case, but it is part of the ruling, is yeah. the judge actually did say that she believes and she and it's a legitimate ruling now that um sweeney's um his vision for the multiverse that he's attempting to yep. build with epic is a legitimate like he believes that and that's a legitimate ruling in that case was that that is a legitimate belief that he has so it's not you know the judge said it's not just him saying that i believe that that's true mm -hmm. it's part of the ruling um, so everything they're doing with Fortnite and the Unreal Engine and all the things they're doing, they they are working towards. Maybe the yeah. best way to ex describe it would be anybody who's ever watched Star Trek and the database system, right? Like that all computers have access to this database, all the Hollow Suites have access to this database. It's just this massive multiverse thing you know of of knowledge and information and entertainment and history and everything all in one place and they are legitimately attempting to build that um according to the ruling yeah and that's pretty big too i mean if there's if that's actually like something that they're going for right now like they're planning on doing that's going to be doomed. well this this goes back to, we talked yeah. about it a few episodes back when I was talking about, look at what Unreal is doing outside of video games for me. Right. Everything about The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian, the new Kenobi show, all these new Star Wars live action shows are one, well, it's, it's the, the software that's powering everything is Unreal, along with Houdini and Maya and some other things for special effects, but it's all running on Unreal. So we're talking much more than just Gaming. video games. We're yeah. talking whole virtual worlds and virtual experiences in entertainment at large which goes beyond just video games and and i don't want to sound too science fiction nerdy here at this point but can you imagine 10 years down the road where you have in your home a headset 
virtual reality headset and every show that you watch that's put out by Disney Plus or whatever, every Star Wars show is 100% immersive with a headset and and it's all done in that unreal environment so that you're watching the show, but you can turn your head and you can see the world around you going on as the show in front of you is taking place. Like that's the kind of stuff that they're talking about, like building these interactive multiverse environments where, yeah, there might be a quest happening in front of you. You might be watching the action happening, but you can turn around and, you know, there's something going on over there or, you know, a ship's taken off over there. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty amazing when you think about the scope of what they're working on. Yeah, it is. So I'll tell you what, man, the freaking games of the future are going to be something else. They're already, already shaping up that way. And one, one th thing I forgot to mention too is, is it Knights of the Republic, right? The Oh yeah. I, I just hope they don't fuck it up. Oh, I saw that that's, it's a legit remake. Yes. And the yeah. only, the only thing I'm scared of is because I heard a rumor I'm torn. My brother and I just talked about this last night because I heard a rumor that they're getting rid of the turn-based combat from Knights of the Republic, which was one of the things that I really loved. But I can also say, having played all the way through twice now, and I'm looking forward to doing it on the PS5, um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, one of the best freaking Star Wars games I've ever played. Like, honestly, it is it is wow. amazing. If they can, if they, in the remake, make the combat of the new kotor mm -hmm. as good as it was in star wars jedi fallen order holy shit are we talking about like a whole revolution of now we got to go back and remake kotor Ooh. 2 and, and because I, I i'm not explaining anything kotor was 20 some years ago mm -hmm. i yeah. loved the progression of like you start off as like a nobody with the blaster and 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 everything else and then you find out that you have powers and then you get your lightsaber you build your first lightsaber and and now you're learning force moves and you're learning and then you find out who you really are like and <laughs> and and all of the stuff that goes along with that and unlocking your true potential and getting all the force powers that was one thing jedi fallen order did exceptionally well was the way you start off and you only have like your basic lightsaber attack but as you go on if you've never played that game you, you don't ever get more hit points. Yeah. It's just you get more force abilities and you could make your lightsaber more powerful. And so as you get more powerful in the force, you get more powerful. But it's not because of more hit points. It's just you're getting more force abilities. You could do more damage with your lightsaber. The enemy difficulties always stay the same. It's just it's it's a really cool progression system. And if they man. Sorry, right. I'm ranting now. Really I, I'm cool. really excited about I'm really excited about the Corto remake. I don't really care how they do it. I mean, on the one hand, I'm torn if they go away from the old turn base because that was really cool having your three party members and choosing what each one of them is going to do. But if they could do it live action and do it like Jedi Fallen Order, oh boy, <laughs> boy, we got some things to look forward to coming up, man. I'm telling you, Unreal Engine Five is looking gorgeous. <clears throat> It yeah, is looking yes. it is looking good, man. I keep seeing more and more videos on YouTube that are coming out that are like tutorials on how to actually create some of the things. And I'm I've skimmed through some of them. And I'm just like, damn, they're literally walking you through how to do this. You could learn you could learn Unreal online right now, by the way. You you literally there are people that have channels that will teach you. So like it's a good time to be a gamer, a person who wants to be a game dev. There are so many ways to learn the craft at this point it's, even with unreal 4 um, yeah 
because my brother and I are on, on Unreal 4. Um, obviously, we did, we did come into this having seven years of working in Unity before we switched over to Unreal. So that that cuts down on the learning curve a lot when you've got a bunch of experience with another engine because it, it is just kind of learning the nomenclature of the new engine and everything else. But one of the things my brothers love, we talked about this, I think, in we did a 100th episode last week with my wife. And my brother was talking about one of the things that he has really enjoyed about with Unreal is learning how to use blueprints, which does not replace someone with programming talent. Right. But it does you allow it does allow you to do amazing things without needing a programmer, which is great for single player stuff and stuff that doesn't require networking and stuff like an MMORPG. But the learning curve is quite steep because that was not something that was built into Unity. But there are so many tutorials available, not not only through the Unreal University, but also, like you said, all these people on the internet who have created amazing tutorials about all these things. Um, it, it's still not easy, but it's also not hard. It's just if you have the, most importantly, the dedication to do it. Time is important, but dedication is most important. Um, this could even tie back to what Nathan's been working on, you know, for the past months, you know, he had yeah. the time and the dedication to go in and put in hundred, in this case, more than a thousand hours into building something. It's like that with unreal. You have to be willing to put in the time and the dedication to learn it, to use it and to work through troubleshooting and everything else. Cause it's not always going to be mm -hmm. smooth sailing, but if you can put in that time and dedication, the reward is that you can create really cool shit, not just video games. Yep, you can exactly. do a lot of different things with Unreal. A yeah. lot. Blender's pretty good too. They, they had that. Yep. Blender's a beautiful thing. It's a free program to use, and you can. I mean, they they do that. They showcase what you can do with that. But this this might be a conversation I think for next time because I would like to nerd out about all of these possibilities that are open to people, and maybe even just nerd out about what's possible for. For the passionate, dedicated gamer who has the time, the, that has a story they want to tell, a world they want to create, I think that is a conversation that we're going to be having next time, friends. So as we wind this one down, I'm going to let the Renfell and Nathan go ahead and shout out their domains where you can find them when they're not here on this podcast so you can catch up with them when they are doing their thing. Renfell. Uh, sorry, I thought it was not expecting me to go first hang oh. on <laughs> like half steez there um uh youtube.com forward slash red fail is where yeah. you can find me um i do game reviews and other stuff i just started doing book reviews i got a kindle paperweight a couple weeks ago i just put up my first book review today um and of course if you want to find out what we're doing with our tabletop game the serialized novel and the rpg that we're building um patreon.com forward slash red fail and i am Still streaming, but I'm I'm done with my 30 day challenge. So I'm here on Twitch, but I don't have a schedule and it's usually early morning. So but you can feel free to follow me there as well if you want. Outstanding and Nathan. You guys may hear some dogs barking, so I'm talking. I apologize. Um, but you can find me on YouTube, uh youtube.com forward slash the Nathan Napalm. Um I'm also on Twitter. Uh definitely go to my YouTube channel and check it out. Cause right there, when you go to my main channel, you're gonna find the D and D, &D. Uh, adventure. You gotta play it. You gotta play it. It's free. It's I've cool. done three. I've done three now. It's, yeah. You gotta do it, folks. Yeah, you gotta play it. It's pretty free. It, it really free. is and, good. And I want to say, I want to go ahead and announce officially, because I announced the D and D thing on this show officially, that I am beginning uh, another adventure 
but I'm trying it in a different way that's not as cost, uh, no, that's not the right word, as time-consuming, uh, but still has, pull, you know, the choose-your-own-adventure and all the options. I think I can even make it even crazier, um, but I'm, I'm beginning that process, very beginning stages, but uh, check that mm -hmm. out because the more support you give me, the more I can put forth in the future endeavors, obviously, just yes. from viewing it, just from watching it. Absolutely. And uh, I've tweeted out the, our little, we did a, we did a, the last, last Thursday after the elephant podcast, we here on my, on my channel, my community, we played through, um, bad things happened. I posted it on YouTube You can go check it out. Links in the description. If you just follow stuff and things here, uh, definitely go check out Nathan's, uh, you know, choose your own adventure D and D campaign. He put up there. It's a lot of fun. We ended up playing another hour and a half after that and got through it so there and and the replayability is absolutely there because there we didn't even go down pathways that could have been gone down for for multiple multiple points and those points would have all had multiple points as well so i'm pretty curious to see how it would play out in other ways i definitely plan on playing it more myself encourage you all to do the same but until next time friends catch us here thursday 5 p.m cdt for the next one live on twitch and as always you know it might be the end of the show, but we're always looking for more to join the party. Rants of plenty, my friends. And until next time, live your best lives. Walk in the light. Have a great night. We'll see you again real soon. Good night, everybody.